Good morning, good morning, everybody. Getting excited for uh, today's uh, talk at Summit Church. So get your Bible, get a coffee, get a pen, invite a friend. Will you do this? Would you get online, press this share button, share, 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 tell someone that church is going to get started here in about five minutes. We'll do some worship. And we're studying Matthew chapter 11 through 15. I titled my message today, Share a Show and Tell. Show and Tell. So show and tell this message, share it, and we'll get started here in just a few minutes. We're excited to be worshiping with you today here during the global pandemic. We're going to get through this, everybody. It's another Sunday live here online. So check it out in about five minutes.
good morning. Good morning, Summit Church. Good to see you guys here today. Hope you're doing well. Broadcasting across a few streams and <laughs> having a hard time seeing the chat here today. So be, uh, just bear with me, but we're going to get through it. And you know what? God's never taken by surprise by this stuff. So I'm going to just start singing and hopefully things will get technology will start catching up with me. Um, this is an oldie buddy good to get called undignified. I think you'll like it. <laughs> Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. I'll become even more undignified than this. Some may say it's foolishness, but I'll become even more undignified than this. Lay my pride at the side. of triumph. I know it's hard to do with church online and it feels like you're watching it on TV, but you know what? We're right here with each other. I can see your chat. We can sing together. We can study the Bible together. We know that we're with one another, even though we're not in the same room together. We're worshiping together and we're gathered in the name of Jesus. So let's open with prayer, <laughs> excuse me, and we'll, we'll get into it. Father, thank you that we can make our hearts glad in you. We can choose joy today in the name of Jesus. So Father, I pray that today, if any of my friends are feeling um, anxious or alone or fearful or afraid or worried right now in the name of Jesus, 
I just come against worry and fear and anxiety, and I minister the peace of Jesus over my friends who are watching this stream today. And whether they're watching it right now immediately or whether they're watching it later, Father, I pray that the peace of God would just guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that you would give us a strength and a power to get through another week, week Lord, and to serve you and to worship you with, a whole, with our whole heart, with a, an attitude of gratitude and life and joy and peace. And Lord, for those areas in our lives where we need healing, I pray you would heal us. But Lord, most of all, be with us today as we gather to worship and to pray and to study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I saw my doggie in here for a minute, and then I think maybe Kim is around the corner. <laughs> so I think, I'm, I think I've got somebody nearby listening here in the house. But hey, would you, uh, would you, there she is. Hey, if you're grateful for something, would you just put that in the comment section here below? What are, what are five things that you're thankful for today? Can you name five things? And I'm going to... I'm going to type in the chat five things that I'm thankful for, and I'd like to hear what you're thankful for. Um, yes. So many things to be thankful for. I'm doing an alliteration today. Mm. <laughs> I got a funny one in there because I couldn't think of another L word. Oh. All right. I made all of mine L's today. I'm thankful for life, liberty, love, lavender soap, and lilies. <laughs> Both the flowers and my daughter. Yeah. Aren't you thankful for something? What are some things that you are thankful for here today? Put it there in the comment section below. Yes, Tim says, Summit Church for peace, for God's, God's grace, family, and friends. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, gratitude is a discipline. It's something we decide. Thankfulness is a key to satisfaction and happiness. And you can choose your attitude. Every day you can choose what kind of day it's going to be by starting the day going, okay, God, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has seen the end from the beginning. He knows what kind of day you're going to have. Well, <laughs> I think if you say, okay, God, I want to have a good day. I want your life to be dwelling in me. I want your joy to be inside of me today. I'm going to choose gratitude. I'm going to choose thankfulness. I want to be useful today, God. I want to be not living for myself today, but to be living for your glory and to be a blessing to the people around me. Not just to the people a million miles away, but the people in my life right now. When we can do that, then I think then we're really doing something. Then God's really moving. So, hey, let's sing a couple. I'm going to do the order a little bit different today. We're going to sing two. I'm going to get into the message. And then there's a new worship song that I've just been so blessed by called The Blessing. I'm going to finish with today. And we're going to sing it a few times at the end. So I'm going to sing one more. And then we're going to get right into the teaching. Um, but let's do this one called Who You Say I Am.
lost, but he brought me in on his love for me. Yes, his love for me. When the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed.
We ask that you just bless the studying of your word today, Father, as we cover the miracles and teachings of Jesus right into the meat of the Gospel of Matthew today. So, Lord, we want to give as much time and honor to your word as we possibly can today. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would span across the years and the pages of time and speak directly into our hearts today that your miracles are still happening. Your teaching is still true. So bless, Lord, the teaching now of your word as it goes out, Lord, and may it return and, and accomplish everything that you, for the purpose for which you sent it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So I got something, I got something fresh and new here for you. Um, this is the time in the service where we normally receive tithes and offerings as a church. So if you will uh, grab your smartphone, if you're watching on a laptop, just grab your smartphone and you can text to give or you can just grab a checkbook and fill out an envelope to Summit Church. It's 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or you can navigate over to mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link and give there online. You can text to give, open your texting um, app and text this number 303-625-9434. And let's take a minute and greet each other. Say hi to someone online. Share this link with somebody. Go refill your coffee. Share on social. Grab a Bible, notebook, and pen. And we're going to get started with our teaching here in just a second. guys hope you're doing well let me just check the comments real quick see what's happening yes hello Lori says she's grateful for God's love Jesus salvation the Holy Spirit that fills her heart and there's no room for hate discernment between good and evil yes amen Sally says she's grateful for life for Bruce's pancakes <laughs> sunshine smiles Church family, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's get into it. Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 11. Shortened worship just a little bit today so we can get into the teaching. And how many remember this when you went uh, to elementary school? Maybe your first day or the first week or two of kindergarten, your teacher said, we're going to have show and tell show and tell give me a thumbs up or raise your hand let me know that yeah we did show and tell i did i remember going to my first kindergarten in detroit and mrs van diemen was my kindergarten teacher she was she would play guitar and sing and i wonder if sometimes my love for singing and playing guitar doesn't come from mrs van diemen watching her lead the classroom and singing i was always fascinated when she would pull out the guitar and start to sing but yes show and tell is really fun i have a little show and tell item 
here today that I call this my airboard. This is actually Gracie's airboard. We gave it to her a few years ago for Christmas. She doesn't play it much, but it's around the house. And what's kind of cool about the airboard, it's just like having a keyboard anywhere. It's just what you think it is. You, you blow air into it and you get notes. Pretty cool, right? Um, how many know that music can be written down? It's like a whole different language. Like you do different things with music. Written music has notes, right? And you see here on my little camera, there's a stave with some notes. You know, when the notes go up, the note, the sound goes up. When the notes go down, the pitch goes down, right? So I could, I could sight read this little, this uh, little piece of gospel music called "I Come to the Garden." It goes like this. Actually, E flat. That each note corresponds. That's E flat. Yeah, and that's how notes work, right? We have notes on a keyboard, we have notes on music. We can make music with our voices and we can learn music and notes as they're written down. It's show and tell. It's monkey see, monkey do, right? It's written down and I do it. Jesus says, you're blessed if you hear these words of mine. If you hear the words, if you write them down, if you read the scriptures, if you know what God's word says, but you're even more blessed if you do them. It's show and tell, right? It's hearing the word, speaking the word, doing the word, showing and telling. Now, music is just a, a pale illustration to what it really means to live the spiritual life, to be a Christian. It's not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of it. And so Jesus spends the good chunk of what we're going to be talking about today doing and telling, telling and doing, showing and telling. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is kind of beginning his teaching and miracle ministry. And John the Baptist um, has baptized him, if you remember that. Jesus goes out into the desert and then he's tempted and then he begins his ministry. He turns water into wine and he selects his disciples. And then now we, here we are in chapter 11, Jesus and John the Baptist. We find out that John the Baptist is put into prison. And Jesus is starting to go throughout Galilee, um, teaching the kingdom of God, calling people to repent. He's healing the sick. Uh, he's, he's casting out demons. He's doing all kinds of amazing works. And then John gets arrested. I'm sure that John thought that maybe he would be with the Messiah while Messiah was doing all of his miracles. But John gets kind of put onto the, onto the bench, onto the sidelines. And he, he, the things are not going the way that John the Baptist thought they would be going. This is where we pick it up in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. So John the Baptist, who was now in prison, heard about all the things that Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Or should we keep looking for someone else? And Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him all about what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, 
And the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him God blesses those who are not offended by me. God blesses those who are not offended by me. A lot of people are offended by Jesus. They're offended by the teachings of Jesus. They're offended by who Jesus represents. A lot of people have misunderstandings about Jesus. You talk to a Jewish person today and Jesus is kind of an off-limits topic. You know, you tell a, a Jewish person, hey, you know, Jesus was a Jew. They go, what? Most Jewish people think that that Jesus was Catholic. <laughs> well, Jesus wasn't wasn't Catholic. He was the first Christian. He was the Messiah of the Jews. He was sent to the Jews first to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And he's the root and offspring of David. He's he's a Jewish Messiah. And many people are afraid to talk about Jesus. It's like, oh man, if I if I start believing in Jesus, who knows what would happen to my life? I might have to really change my lifestyle or I might have to change some of my beliefs or I might have to change some of my actions. I might have to modify some of the things that I've been doing. Yeah, maybe, maybe you would. But you know what? That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If God would begin to change your life, who knows how good it could get? Who knows how amazing the miracles could be? And a lot of times we just think that God is a buzzkill or that he's like, he's trying to steal our fun or that he's no, he's he just no fun to hang out with. Can I tell you, God is the most amazing person to hang out with. The Holy Spirit is here to help you, to strengthen you, to heal you, to be your closest friend, to guide you and to empower you to do what you couldn't do on your own. God is awesome. He's not someone to be shunned or to run away from, but he's, a, he's someone that we run to. And that's why we need Jesus so desperately. That's why the gospel is not bad news. It's good news. It's the best news ever. That God so loved you and I that he sent Jesus to die in our place and to make a way for us to be reconciled to God. And all that he asks is that we believe in him and that we begin to follow. And then we try to become his disciples and do our best to, to, to live as Jesus did in this world. To do the things that he taught. And, do, and just be, and let the Holy Spirit use us the same way that he used Jesus. That's pretty remarkable. If you begin to look at the, the ministry and the life of Jesus as something that you can do, not with your effort, but with the Holy Spirit working inside of you, that's a game changer. So here's a question for you. Why, why, would, John ask, why would John the Baptist ask the question to which he already knew the answer? Are you the Messiah? Well, we heard John say this many times already in this gospel. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one I was talking about. (laughs) Well, I think that maybe John's faith was shaken a little bit when suddenly he ends up in prison and he starts hearing that Jesus is just going about Galilee and he's he's gathering these disciples that John probably never would have picked. He's getting these rough these rough guys around the edges like these fishermen and you know some of these this crew that John probably would not have thought would be righteous enough to follow him and that's that's who Jesus is surrounding himself with and John's like, "Really? That fisherman from Galilee? Whoa, really? And a tax collector? What?" And see, John John had an idea in his mind, probably, of what Messiah would look like and what he would do. And Jesus was breaking the mold of John's expectations. Maybe Jesus wants to break the mold of your expectations about him, too. And so, John is the man. Jesus is speaking about John. He says, John is the man 
to whom the scriptures refer to when they say, look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare the way before you. And baptizing until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people attack it. For before John came, all the teachings of the scriptures looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he, John, is Elijah, the one whom the prophets said would come. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Jesus is saying, John was the forerunner. He was that voice of Elijah saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make a straight path in the desert for our God. The Messiah is come. He's here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. Whoa. And then Jesus preaches that same message. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. God has made a way for us to be made right with God. And it's not through keeping the Levitical law or the law of Moses or being the perfect Jew. It's not even about being the perfect Christian. It's not about being religious. It's about having God inside and letting the spirit of the law help us to obey the law. That the love of God would give us the desire to obey him. So let's keep reading into verse 20. Jesus began to denounce the cities where he had done most of his miracles because they hadn't turned from their sin and turned to God. What horrors await you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have sat in deep repentance long ago, clothed in sackcloth and throwing ashes in their heads to show their remorse. Unbelievers today tell us that they would believe in Christ if they saw miracles. Do you think that's true? That people would believe if they just saw a miracle? That's what they say. But I don't really think that's true. Because, you know, life in itself is a miracle. God is demonstrating his power and his miracles all the time. But many people don't have the eyes to see what God is doing. They're not grateful. They aren't loving They're very selfish. And even if God was trying to reveal himself to them, they would not see it because they would would not have eyes to see it. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. In fact, you might want to turn there. He says, every man is given a measure of faith. Every person is given a certain amount of faith. There's a lot of people who would, would make the claim, I would believe in this Jesus, I would believe in this God of yours, or this Bible of yours, if I saw a miracle. I don't think that's true. I don't, because people who say that don't really have a hunger to obey God. They don't have an, a hunger to, to know God. They have a hunger to please themselves. They have a hunger to do whatever they want to do. Here's what Paul says to the church in Rome on this whole idea of faith. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. And then this is key in verse 3. He says, as God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. In other words, God gives a measure of faith to everyone. So you don't have an excuse in, in the book of Romans chapter uh, 1, verse 19, Paul says, For the truth about God is known to us instinctively. God has put this knowledge in our hearts. 
From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse, whatever, for not knowing God. You see, when there's an inner witness that you have inside of your heart that you go, I know there's a God. I know there's a God who's trying to speak to me. I know there's a God who doesn't want me doing these things that I'm doing right now or saying these things I'm saying right now or thinking these thoughts that I'm thinking. I know God has something better for me if I will just turn to him and live. Yeah, you should. You really should. And that's what repentance is about. It's finally turning your life over to God and saying, God, I don't get it and I'm not sure I can do all this, but will you come inside and help me be the person that I cannot be on my own? Yeah. That's powerful. So Jesus continues to talk about this spiritual life, that it's not about law-keeping, but it's about knowing God. Here's what he says in verse 28 of Matthew 11. He says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and, and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. Maybe you want to, in the comments here today, maybe you want to list a few different ways that you have tried to handle your problems by yourself. What are some areas of your life, maybe put it in the comments, some areas of your life that you want to begin to depend on God for these things? Maybe it's for your peace, or for financial provision, or for... Um, reconciling of strained relationships, whatever it is, what are you trying to turn over to God more and more to let the Holy Spirit begin to help you carry the burdens of your life? Give your burdens to Jesus. He cares about you. He loves you so very much. It's also why we sing. It's why we worship. Because it's in this, this act of worshiping God that I, I cast these cares upon him. Suddenly he makes my burdens light. When I start to, to read the scriptures, when I start to worship, when I start to pray, when I start to say, okay, God, I trust in you, he begins to lift those things off of me. Well, let's get into Matthew chapter 12. We're trying to do five chapters a week if possible. So I might have to, every now and then I skim over some parts and then I get to the heavy stuff. And so I'm doing my best to, to give you some big chunks of each of these chapters each week. Chapter 12, verse 1. It says, in about this, that time, Jesus is walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off heads of wheat and eating the grain. And some of the Pharisees saw him do it, and they protested, your disciples shouldn't be doing that. It's against the law to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Now, <laughs> let me ask you something. Were they really working by snatching up a few heads of grain and crushing the kernels and eating the kernels? Is that really work? No, they were hungry. They weren't working. But the Pharisees had such strict laws about Sabbath keeping that uh, you could be stoned if you didn't obey their Sabbath laws. And they were burdening the people with all kinds of rules that aren't even written in the Bible. And here's, here's another question. Ask, what lesson was Jesus teaching the Pharisees by allowing his disciples to gather and eat grain on the Sabbath? Jesus was trying to demonstrate that he was the Lord over the Sabbath. Is the Sabbath a good thing? Why, of course it is. God gave us the Sabbath. But we have to keep in mind that God gave us the day of rest, not that we would become a slave to the rules about the day of rest, but that we would enjoy a day of rest because the Father has given it to us. See the difference? 
It's the heart behind the law versus a rule-keeping, um, religious, judgmental spirit. God wants us to have the, the, the truth and the goodness of Sabbath to bless us, not to be a burden to weigh us down. And so Jesus demonstrates this over and over again with the Pharisees, that the law was given, not that we would become slaves to the law, but that we could be set free from the bondage of sin. And the whole reason why the law was given, so that we wouldn't hurt ourselves. So we wouldn't do things that not only offend God, but can get us in trouble in this world. And so Jesus is demonstrating over and over again that he is truly God's son. He's the son of man that Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah were, spoke, were speaking about all those hundreds of years before. That he is and was the fulfillment of the prophecy of the chosen one who would come to lift the burden off the people and set people free from their sins and to reconcile all of the nations to God. Jesus is God's chosen servant. And there's there's a great book, by the way. And I know I've got I've got different friends that watch my feeds and listen to the podcast at different times. Some of you are Jews, some of you are Gentiles. This is a great little book called Grafted In. And it's written by a guy named D. Thomas Lancaster. Grafted In. Israel Gentiles and the mystery of the gospel. If you if you wonder like how does this work between Judaism and Christianity and like Jesus and you know being Jewish, being a Gentile, does a Gentile have to convert to Christianity to be a true like believer? No, no, listen. Jesus came to set us free from all the legalism of religion so that we would just know God as our heavenly Father. Can you be a Jew and be a Christian? Yes. Can you be a Gentile and be reconciled to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Yes. Through the root of David, through, through Jesus, the branch of Israel, we are reconciled to God. There is Israel and there's the church. And God loves them both. And he has a plan for both Israel and the church. And no matter who you are, whether you're a Jew that believes in Jesus or you're a God-fearing Gentile, God has a plan for all of us to be reconciled to him. And Jesus speaks about himself in the, being the chosen servant. Jesus knew what they were planning, and, and he, he knew that the, the, the Pharisees were judging him. And he says, fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah, he says, Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved. I am very pleased with him. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout. Um, he will not raise his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the smallest hope until he brings full justice with his final victory and his name will be the hope of all the world. That's who we believe Jesus is. That Jesus is the hope of all the world. And I think he's shown that he is that. And we can see so much. And so Jesus begins to cast out demons in this chapter. And, and then and more people are following him again. They're like, well, show, us, show us a sign. He says, an evil generation asks for a sign. The only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. And what was the sign of Jonah? Well, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. He disappeared for three days. And he, then he reappeared again after three days. Just as Jonah was in the whale for three days, the Son of Man will be in the earth. And Jesus fulfilled this in his, day, in his time of resurrection. And then his mother and his brothers come to sort of interrupt his teaching. They're trying to say, hey, Jesus, you need to calm down. You're really stirring people up. And they're trying to, they're trying to interrupt what's happening with his ministry. And he's speaking to this, his crowd. His brothers and mothers come. They're wanting to talk to him. 
and someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to speak to you. And then Jesus makes this radical statement in verse 48 of Matthew 12. He says, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And then he pointed at his disciples and said, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. See, being a spiritual family is not so much about blood relation, but it's having an, a spiritual and affinity in God for his truth, for his spirit, for his power. It's not about political alignment. It's not even about culture. It's not about skin color. It's not about socioeconomic levels or, or education. It's being yoked up with Jesus. It's being linked up with Messiah and uh, ascribing to his teaching and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you in my life. I want your spirit to guide me. I want to study the scriptures and I want to begin to live a life that honors you. Well, let's get to, to chapter 13. Jesus begins to tell these parables and these stories. And it says anytime Jesus would go out and teach, he would always use parables. He would always teach with stories and mysteries. He never taught without using a parable. Isn't that something? He always loved to tell a story. He always loved to use an illustration. He would always do something that would help illustrate a kingdom principle in a way that people could easily understand. Well, this, this particular parable in chapter 13 is talking about the farmer that scattered seed. And here's, here's the story. It says, A farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered across his field, some of the seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow, shallow soil in underlying rock. And the plants sprang up quickly, but they soon with, wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among thorns and shot up and then choked out and the, the thorns choked out the, the tender blades. But some seeds fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone who is willing to hear should be list, willing to listen and understand. So to me, I think this is about the seed of the word of God and having a receptive heart to receiving what God's word says. And I look at the parable of the sower a lot like Christians would about sharing the gospel and evangelism. You know, it's not my job to make the seed fall in perfect places. It's just my job to scatter the seed of the word of God. I can't control where all the seeds go and how are they going to do. It's up to the soil to do what it does with the seeds. It's not my job to convince people as a, as a preacher of the gospel. It's not my job to convince and convert people and make them, shake them and go, you have to come to Jesus. No, there's, I can't control what people do with God's word. It's just my job to distribute the word of God and to disciple new believers, to cultivate the good ground that may bear God's fruit and then leave the results up to God and see what God's seed does in the hearts of people as they're receptive it's so important that you cultivate your own heart to say, God, give me a willing spirit to obey you. Give me open ears and open eyes to see what you're doing, to be a truly spiritual person that will obey your word. That parable of the sower is so mighty, so powerful. And so he says, if you hear my words, but you don't understand, you'll see what I do and not perceive its meaning. 
For the hearts of these people are hardened, their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes, and they cannot see. Their ears cannot hear. Their, their, their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let, and let me heal them. See, when you have a hard heart to the word of God, it doesn't matter how true it is. If you aren't willing to listen, we can't help you. God wants to help you. But if you turn him away, there's nothing that he can do. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He's looking for a heart of willingness. And so Jesus continues to talk about the kingdom of God being like another story. He talks a sto- tells a story about the wheat and the weeds. That the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in the ground. And then at night, these evil men came and planted weeds among the wheat. And then the workers said, Master, look, there's, there's weeds in the wheat. Should we go yank up the, the weeds? He goes, no, no, <laughs> leave the weeds in there because you might yank up the wheat when you're taking up the weeds. Let them grow together. And once the harvest comes, then we can separate the wheat from the weeds. And he said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. One day, a judgment day is going to come. And people that you thought were Christians, you'll find out they weren't Christians. They were just sown among the wheat. Some people that you that you were sure that were no good, and you go, oh, that person actually, they were just planted in a bad place. But they were one of God's chosen. That's that's one of God's people over there. We're going to be surprised, I think, on Judgment Day, who's in and who's out. But we're not the judge. God's the judge. And then he goes on to tell many other illustrations in this chapter. He does the, the illustration of the mustard seed, that the faith of the size of just a tiny seed can move mountains. The illustration of yeast, the spiritual principle of just a little bit of yeast can leaven the whole loaf. A little bit of truth can change your whole life. If you'll just accept God's word, you will grow. If you'll just make one simple decision, turn to God, you'll begin to live. And that one decision will leaven every other decision. Every other part of your life will begin to be filled with God because of the truth of God being planted in your life. And, of course, he goes on to explain the weed in the weeds, verse 40. I've kind of explained it here already. Let's get into verse 44. He says, The kingdom of is also like a hidden treasure. A hidden treasure. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure too. And then the illustration of the pearl merchant. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for a choice pearl. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. These, these two parables that Jesus is telling is, he's saying, you know, the kingdom of God is worth giving everything for. Knowing God, serving God, having a relationship with God, it's more important than all the wealth or fame or adulation, or possessions that you could think of. It's the most valuable thing, is knowing God. It's, it's having a relationship with Him. He's worth selling out for. And then Jesus tells another parable that's a lot like the wheat and the weeds. He's talking about the fish and the fishing net, that, you know, there's good fish and bad fish, and at the end, and the judgment time, you know, the, the angels are going to sort out the good fish from the bad fish. So to me, that's a comfort during these times when there's a lot of fake believers and we're, we're trying to like figure out who's real and who's fake. It's not our job to figure out who's real and fake. God knows. And at the end, he's going to sort it all out. It's my job just to run my race, to live for Jesus, because that's what matters. Sell out for him completely and not worry about what other people do, are doing. I'm going to do what God has told me to do. 
And as far as it depends on me, I'm going to live it up at peace with everybody. And I'm just going to stay in my lane and do what he's told me to do. Well, Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth and they reject him. He says, a prophet's not without honor in his own country. It's like people don't really like you because they think they know you, but they don't really know you. And uh, they couldn't do many miracles there because they didn't have much faith that he really was Messiah. Which brings us to chapter 14 and the death of John the Baptist. And of course, Herod Antipas heard about Jesus and he said to his, his advisors, this must be John the Baptist come back to life again. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not what happened. But Jesus gets the news that his cousin John had been beheaded and um, he barely has time to mourn. And he gets the news, and this is Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news that John had been beheaded, he went off by himself in a boat uh, to a remote place to be alone. And you think about it, if you have a loved one, a cousin, someone that's like a brother to you, and you know that they've been killed, you'd want to spend some time alone and just remember that person and and pray and say, God, comfort me and comfort Elizabeth and the rest of the family. And like you, you would want some time. Jesus barely has any time alone, gets alone in the boat, but the crowds heard where he was headed and they followed him by land from many of the villages. And the vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And then he heals, not only heals the sick, but then he gets on a hillside and he feeds 5,000 people during a day of teaching. And that's followed by this miracle miracle account that, that I'll cover in the future teachings of the gospel. He walks on water, which is amazing. And, um, and, and we, we just have to trust that these things that Jesus did, he did for a purpose. When we, you're going to study the, the scriptures over and over again from four different angles as we study that in these first four months of the year. Um, what Jesus said, he said for a reason. What he did, he did for a reason. And the context of how these things happened and when they happened and why they happened the way they happened was all orchestrated by God. And the Gospel of Matthew is a great study. Let's get to, to uh, chapter 15. We'll land the plane on this final chapter. Jesus teaches about inner purity. And this is really important because he's, he's taught about the miracles. He's shown the miracles. He's demonstrated through fantastic stories, parables, and power the, who God truly is. He's demonstrated through fulfilled prophecy that he truly is Messiah. He's, he's basically demonstrated that unlike the, the rulers and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of their day, he had actual power, true authority, not just a legal authority, but he had an authority that came from heaven. And so Jesus begins to teach about inner purity. What is all of this about? What is knowing God truly about? So some of the Pharisees of the religious law, this is chapter 15, verse 1, um, they arrived from Jerusalem to interview Jesus. He says, why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions, they demanded? They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, you don't need to honor your parents by caring for their needs if you give money to God instead. And so by your own tradition, you nullify the direct commands of God. You hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you. When he said this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. 
Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. Whew, haven't we seen that? Lots of religious people, but not very spiritual people. People who want to weigh you down with their worldview and how they think it is, and you better toe the line, and it's my way or the highway. Listen, that's not God. God is a God of mercy. He's a God of truth, yes, a God of love. But he's not asking you to, to weigh yourself down with commands that you can't keep without his spirit inside of you. He's here. The Holy Spirit is here for you to receive him, to receive the grace and the goodness of Christ. And then with his spirit inside of you, you have the love and the motivation, the power to obey what God has told you to do. And some of us, we struggle a long time in discipleship before we're able to master some of the things that God has called us to do, to come to a place where, the, where our faith is perfected. In fact, we're never going to be perfect without Jesus. Without the blood atoning sacrifice covering us, we'll never be good enough on our own. We'll never be able to perform our way into goodness. And yet, true disciples walk as Jesus walked. In verse 16, Jesus says, don't you understand? Anything, he, he says, these, these guys are saying you, you, you eat with unwashed hands, you don't keep the Sabbath, blah, blah, blah. You're so defiled, all this stuff. And they're, they're saying, Jesus says, look, it's not about hand washing. It's not about Sabbath keeping. He says, anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes out of the body. But evil words come from an evil heart and defile the person who says them. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all other sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands could never defile you and make you unacceptable to God. See, Jesus is saying, God's not worried about what day you take a rest or how you wash your hands. He cares what's inside your heart. What's motivating you in your head? What are you thinking about? What, what's, what's, the, what do you, what's, the, what's your whole life pointed at? Are you loving other things rather than loving God? Are you trying to know God or are you just trying to, to do your own thing? Jesus is saying it's about lordship. It's about knowing God and letting him put his spirit inside of you. And your law keeping will never make you good enough for the kingdom. And then he heals more people. There's a Gentile woman who makes kind of a funny statement. And, and then Jesus heals many people. And then again, he, he feeds 4,000 people in the remainder of this passage. Well, there's so much about Jesus where he was showing and telling. He was speaking the word of God and then demonstrating the power. He didn't just talk about the kingdom. He walked in the kingdom. And he's calling you and I to come after him and follow him. And walk the walk and talk the talk and do the things that he did. He's, he's saying, just as I am, so are you in this world. I want the, the blessing of the kingdom of God to follow you and to bless others. That others would know me by what you do. So people will know that you're my followers because of your love for each other. The kingdom of God, it's not just something we understand in our heads. And it's not just a matter of talk. It's a matter of action. It's a matter of love. It's a matter of demonstration and power. And if you do that, then you'll begin to experience the, the, the love of God. You'll begin to experience the peace of God. You'll begin to experience the healing power of God. 
I got some anointing oil here today, and I just felt like I think in the next few weeks we're going to do something that they did in the Book of Acts. Um, we're going to pray over some cloths and anoint them with oil. And because we haven't been able to meet in person, if you would just in these coming weeks maybe put in your address and and if there's someone that needs healing and if they want an anointing cloth, we're going to pray healing over that. I believe God's going to heal people as we pray for God's anointing and for his healing. But before we do all that, before we talk about what's coming in the weeks ahead, I want to finish it this way with the gospel. Maybe you've heard a, a message about this and like, I've never heard anybody talk about Jesus this way. I've never heard anybody talk about Christianity like this. Like, it, you really believe that you can know God? Yeah, I really believe that you can know God as your friend through the person of Jesus. It's, it's accepted by faith. It's as simple as just saying, yes, yes, God. I want you in my life. Yes, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, that God raised you from the dead. Now I want to walk in your footsteps. I want to follow after you. I want to be your disciple. If you'll just make that simple act of believing faith today, God will adopt you into his family and you'll start a new relationship and it will change everything about your life. If you've never done it before, or maybe you did it years ago and you feel like this today's your day to do it, Maybe you want to share this with a friend who you know needs to have a relationship with God. This is the prayer that you pray. And pray it after me. Just pray it out loud. Wherever you are, just stop what you're doing. Create a, a, a sacred moment here between you and God. Just say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures, please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glad you joined us today. I believe God has a plan for not only your life, He has a plan for our church and for this community. And uh, I did get a phone call from the school district early this week about uh, resuming services in February. I put in a facility use request for that. Um, we'll see where all that goes. I haven't heard back yet, um, but it looks like we might be able to resume in-person worship services very soon. So that would be a, a great answer to prayer. But I want to finish with this song that I just heard recently called The Blessing. And it's it's based on the ironic blessing that I do here after church almost every week. But it puts it to music. And um, I think you'll pick it up uh, fairly quickly and fairly easily. But uh, if you've heard it, you can sing it.
May his favor be upon for a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and their children. May his favor be upon you for a thousand generations and your family and your family and your children and your children. May his favor be upon you to a thousand place where they are, whatever they're going through, we thank you, God, that you're bigger. And Lord, may you bless us and keep us. Make you make your face to shine upon us, be gracious to us, lift your countenance upon us, and give us your peace. Bless us and make us a blessing. Lord, this week might be a crazy week in our country, but God, I thank you that your protective hand, your ministering angels can come around our church and around our families, around our nation, around every capitol building. We pray the peace of God would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and help us to move forward. America is a planting of the Lord and you planted us to be a blessing to the nations. So be gracious and bless America and keep us in peace, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I'll keep you posted about meeting times and meeting places. I believe he's going to open the doors at just the right time and just the right place. So thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community comment like share follow and subscribe on our various social media channels of course we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer i'm sean rima and on behalf of pastor wayne and the summit church family take care and have a great week remember god loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life